if a tick bites you, it's not like Lyme disease is immediately transferred to a human if a tick bites you. It has to be in you for a while. You know, the general rule of thumb is about 36 hours. You're more likely to get killed driving to the woods than you are to get Lyme disease. I mean, if you drive to work every day, you're taking more of a risk doing that than you are getting a tick-borne disease. That's for certain. Hey guys, welcome to the Survival Show podcast with Craig and me, David, and and a special guest co-host who you guys have heard before, Creek Stort. Oh, it's man. our job to take it. <laughs> creek, Creek, Creek. So uh, glad to have you, man. <laughs> I don't know about how special it is, but I'm glad to be here. <laughs> that is so awesome. Well, today, guys, it's our job to take you, our job, the three of us, to take you step by step through the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear that you need to survive almost any crisis, emergency, or disaster, and show you how to use the lessons you learn today to thrive in your life tomorrow. And actually today, guys, we want to encourage you to get out. The weather's changing here in the northern hemisphere from winter to spring and spring to summer, and we want to give you some tips to uh, safely get out there and comfortably get out there and enjoy creation. So, guys, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Any time <laughs> on the phone, on the horn with you guys is a good day. Yeah, thank you very much for being here. He, that, the way he set you up, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be, like, tough. you got big <laughs> shoes to fill there, the Creek Stewart fills. <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember last time? So, guys, we had Creek on here uh, two times before. Thank you, Creek. Those were awesome and some of our most popular podcasts. You were actually our first guest ever and i remember you saying say i think i asked creek come back again please and you said anytime guys well creek, guys creek actually went out and bought himself his own boss usb mic so he could do this again <laughs> yeah i sure did i sure did today is the big payoff day for that <laughs> craig you want to move us forward here so we can get into this yeah guys and gals listening our mission here is to help you progressively increase your survival IQ, so you leave out of here better prepared at the end of the show than you are right now at the beginning. And what we're going to be doing right here, along with Creek, which again is pretty awesome, is a round robin fashion sort of show where we're going to cover a range of topics with the purpose of helping you, the listener, get outside. The, the weather here in Kentucky, I don't know where you guys are at, sounds like it's the same for you all. Here in Kentucky, it's beautiful, but we definitely want to help you be prepared and enjoy the outdoors as well as get into these topics so that we can help you. So we've got a range of topics. Here's some of the, just a runoff of what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about ticks. We're talking about the diseases that come from them and mosquitoes and bugs. We're going to talk about the things that we need to avoid and the bugs that we can use to eat. Are we talking about that today, guys? Are we talking about eating bugs? Oh, maybe, maybe. Okay. Okay. I didn't know for sure. Why not? Bugs. Uh, we're going to talk about how to get Friends and family started in the outdoors, as well as some edible plants books, as well as gardening. Just any number of topics to help us get outside and enjoy what's going on out there. And guys, don't forget to check out and go over to thesurvivalshow.com. And we've got a new website coming soon there. And I want to thank our sponsor for today, Creek. We have sponsors now. Check out our fantastic sponsor at The Sportsman's Guide. And you can get there easily by just using a link that I created Go to www.thesurvivalshow.com forward slash guide and you'll go right over there. 
All right, guys, you ready to get into this? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. All right. Although we're going to cover a range of topics here, Creek, I know you've been away for a while. Are you able to tell us a little bit about your travels? And I think you've been shooting for your show. Tell us briefly what the show is and any little bits, tidbits, what you learned or what's going on there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've been I'm in the middle of uh, filming season three of SOS How to Survive on the Weather Channel. So that's a show where we cover um, we look at real past scenarios and we interview the people who went through them survival situations, survival scenarios and find the teaching. We tell their story, which is always incredible. It's just shocking and I've been doing it for three seasons when I hear these stories and then I find the teaching moments in there and then we travel to their location or somewhere similar and um, kind of, it's not reenacting, but we kind of put ourselves in their footsteps a little bit and um, you know, try to learn from their experience. So I've been, I've shot two blocks. I've shot the deep snow block and the jungle block, which was in Puerto Rico. And um, I've got two more blocks to go, which is the desert block and the mountain block. Nice. What a range. It's like you're going to ranger school or something. <laughs> yeah, seriously, man. We So <laughs> no, so no matter where we go, it's always some type of an extreme environment because that tends to be where these stories occur. Um, but, you know, with those extreme environments, you know, comes, you know, just incredible, you know, features and just beautiful places and i'm super blessed and super lucky to be to be able to do what i'm doing right now that's so cool and creek i keyed in on something you said you said uh, well we put ourselves in in certain situations when you say we you mean you i've seen you in frigid cold water and the top of mountains and doing all kinds of stuff so you're actually doing some uh kind of recreating scenarios right and talking people through how how to respond, what to do and what not to do. Is it something like that? A little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So we just try to, just try to find places. If it's not their exact place, we try to find places very similar and put ourselves in that environment and then, you know, tell their story in that environment while also pointing out different, you know, teaching opportunities, maybe what they could have done. Um, we're never pointing fingers. We're never saying, you know, you should have done this. We're just trying to find the learning opportunities and, you know, tell their incredible stories, you know. Um, so it's really a win-win for everybody. People who watch the show can learn from it. And, you know, we get to tell the stories of people who went through these scenarios. Um, and, you know, they're incredibly, incredible humans that have done this, you know, some of these situations that they've survived are, you know, you couldn't even, you couldn't even make them up. Some of them are so crazy and, um, just, you know, kind of an inside look into what some of the, some people are really capable of when it, when it comes down to it. Mm -hmm. So this is SOS, how to survive on the weather channel. Do you have any idea when season three is going to be out? It's midsummer. It's either, you know, it's kind of up in the air, I think, but it's either July or August. Um, but, uh, this is season three. So, um, they, they're always rerunning, uh, season one and season two episodes on the network. So, uh, but you can expect it midsummer. That is awesome. So Craig, what do you want to talk about first here? Guys, let's go ahead and dig right into ticks. I actually found my first tick on me for the season yesterday. So it's kind of, uh, fortuitous that we are here today. So what I thought I'd do is throw this topic out there. And Creek, since you're our special guest, what do you want to say about ticks first? 
Well, I got to tell you, man, I don't think there's any subject in recent years that scares people, intimidates people, and keeps them out of the woods than the subject of ticks. You know, it's such a common question that I get about, you know, how to deal with them. And especially, you know, with all the headlines and, you know, Lyme disease, you know, rising in popular and in, um, in occurrences on the East Coast primarily, but working its way West really quickly. You know, we're getting, you know, we're getting definitely getting occurrences here in the Midwest, uh, but it's crazy on the East Coast and it scares people. So I get that question all the time. Don't you? Don't you guys get tick questions all the time? Yeah, very regularly. It's one of the most um, most read blog pieces on my website because I mm-hmm. did a blog on this, and people did. And it's this time of year. You can see in the analytics, yep. this blog piece gets picked up over and over and over again. So, and yeah, the, we've had students that uh, I remember having a student last year that left a class because he he found a tick crawling on his daughter. Yeah, and even though he was he was made aware before the class that that there's a possibility of ticks being there and they're actually likely it was just you know it's just like you're describing people are really overly concerned for them and that concern is warranted there's some things that we can do but uh but it's definitely something that keeps people out of the woods craig i'm just wondering i'd like to talk about uh, I, I know I've done a video and, and some blogging too on I've got seven seven things you can do to reduce your risk. But before we get into that, why can we just talk, Creek and Craig, about why people are afraid of ticks? And and I think there's a couple of diseases uh, that that warrant that. Craig, do you want to start that off? Yeah, uh, th- that was the next topic I want to get into in the diseases particularly, but it works well to go ahead and dig into them. The big ones are Lyme disease and Rocky Mountain spotted fever. And for those that are listening, if it helps you, may help you or hurt you, I hope it doesn't hurt you. I've been diagnosed with both and I'm okay. Yeah. Rocky Mountain spotted fever and, um, mono last year at the same time. And we don't know if it was just obviously by coincidence or if it was just something from the tick bite, but we know, uh, Rocky Mountain spotted fever is not very common at all in my neck of the woods here in Kentucky. Very, very rare. So uh, that's not likely for my fellow Kentuckians. Lyme disease could happen, but I've had both. Both of them are, for the most part, uh, if you catch them early and you get antibiotics in you, you'll be perfectly fine. It's just one of those things you want to catch early. You want to be checking yourself. Uh, I, I've gotten to the habit of telling people that, you should check yourself every 12 hours, not just every 24. Uh, and there's some research that helps back that up. But but uh, if an, a tick is on you, check every 12 hours and remove them. We take opportunities during our classes to stop every 12 hours and tell people, hey, let's do a tick check. And you've got to get a buddy uh, to, to check some of those places that are not so easy to find. Or people use their cell phones. I, I tell people to use their cell phones to get into those hard to see areas and take a video. I know it sounds a little silly. Or crazy, but <laughs> I don't want have, those videos released. No, absolutely not. But it, do, <laughs> it does, it does make it easier to be able to see those spots. Obviously you can see that, but, uh, but yeah, it's one of those things watch and delete, right? <laughs> so, but, but nevertheless, it, it helps get, uh, if, if people are proactive with it, it's not something that are, it's going to be overwhelming. That's for sure. So the biggest thing is checking, uh, Craig, since we're on it can, or Creek, wh- whichever one you wants to jump in, can you just talk about 
what to actually look for. Let's say if a tick's on you, maybe we should talk about how to remove a tick and then maybe go into like if a tick's not on you, what's a sign that that you really need to look at uh, getting to a doctor and treatment possible? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I always, when it comes to ticks, I always say, you know, ticks are here and they're not going anywhere and they're just, you know, they're just becoming more robust and adapting even more than they ever have before. And so they're just a part of going outdoors and you just got to deal with it, you know? And so this topic is really a great topic. Um, you know, ticks come in all types of very various sizes now from, you know, just the teeny little tip of a, of a, like a sharpened pencil up to, you know, the, the normal ticks that people think of when they, when they hear the word tick. So some of them can be really hard to find. I, when it comes to removing ticks, I get ticks all the time. But when it comes to removing ticks, I use one of two methods. I always carry a tick removal tool. The one I use is from uh, Sawyer. They have a little pair of little tick pliers and, you know, all my insect repellent type things and permethrin. I'm sure we'll talk about that stuff like recommended products, but I use Sawyer products for that stuff. But I use either a tick removal tool or I use uh, tea tree oil. Uh, which has worked really well for backing a tick out. So I use typically one of those two products. I never squeeze it, smash it, slap it. You know, that's just going to cause the contents of the tick's gut to thrust themselves into, you know, through its mouth into your, into your body, which is only going to improve the chances of contracting one of those diseases. It's important to cat, like, like Craig said, you know, doing routine tick checks, um, more frequently is a big deal because, you know, if a tick bites you, it's not like Lyme disease is immediately transferred to a human. If a tick bites you, it has to be in you for a while. You know, the general rule of thumb is about 36 hours, you know, 12 hour tick checks makes a lot of sense, you know, because it's really easy to miss a tick, right, Craig? Definitely, uh, without a doubt. And the reason I, I say 12 hours, because for years, everybody's just said, hey, do a tick check every 24 hours. But there was some research that came out of uh, Wisconsin last year of some disease. And, and this goes along with staph infection, too, because of staph. It's, we all have staph uh, that's floating around us and on us at different times and almost every day. But but uh, that opening that a tick makes onto the skin can be an opening for that staph to get involved as well into the body. So anytime there was a, this research and I, and I wish I had a link and I, I'll find it before this goes live and put it in the description below everybody. But there was something in long lines of some strain of Lyme disease that can happen within that 12 hour range or at least less than a 24 hour range. And so basically you get that 12 hour check in there and you just, you're just making sure. And I'm a, I'm a statistical geek. I say this sort of thing all the time, but, but really you're more likely to get killed driving to the woods than you are to get Lyme disease. And so don't, don't let it stop you from going to the woods. It don't, I mean, if you drive to work every day, you're taking more of a risk doing that than you are getting a tick born disease. That's for certain. So the statistics are there to back that up for sure. I just heard a big sigh of relief from people when you uh, just said that. You know, it's it's hard for people to grasp that. And and I mean, I just I'm a numbers guy, so I like playing the numbers and know what's real what's reality compared to what's myth. And it's just it's it's one of those things that scares people and I love to get people to the woods and and again, it for 
the situation that I was in where I've had, where I've been diagnosed with Rocky Mountain spotted fever and Lyme disease, both is so incredibly rare. The doctor told me last year, we need to find out what's wrong with you that ticks are so attracted to you. (laughs) So, but it's, I mean, I'm like Creek. I mean, if you're going to do the sort of things that I do, like I've been out all day today in the woods up until this point, then you're going to get ticks on you. And for somebody like me, it's, it's really incredibly rare. Like my wife goes out with me to do our videos. She's pulled one or two ticks off of her. She's never had any of these diseases. Um, my, my, we all got somewhat, and, and this is kind of weird, but we all got infested with ticks when my kids were little, meaning we went into a, this is a real weird situation, but we, there was a prescribed burn done in a national forest and we went to study it and see how they did it and how the plant life, uh, handled it and everything and we evidently got into an infestation of ticks and we each had about 100 to 200 ticks on us yeah and so they immediately gave us the and assumed that we were going to get Lyme disease because we I mean when I see 100 to 200 they were all attached Mm, and mm. we we went through a process where it took like you know two days to get all the ticks off of us right so they gave us antibiotics just just because assuming that we were going to get Lyme disease and, you know, we never experienced any ill effects from that other than just the the terrible time of pulling, you know, hundreds of ticks off your kids and yourself. That's freaky. Yeah, it's it, it's stuff. Yeah, it was a really weird situation. But it's I say that people are cringing thinking about it, but it's something that we overcame and we were fine. And, and, and that's the way most people are going to experience this. They're going to be just fine. Well, that's really good, guys. So just knowing, Craig, that the probability of, of getting Lyme disease or Rocky Mountain Rocky Mountain spotted fever is statistically low. Let's let's add another layer of protection. I think we can dramatically people can and and I I'm just I want to testify that I rarely get ticks actually on my skin because I I use essentially seven steps when we go out to kind of I don't want to say bulletproof because it's always possible but to uh, reduce risk. So why don't we get into some things there? Uh, who wants to start that off? I can. Uh, I'll just double back on what Creek already mentioned, which is, which is permethrin. So we've taught a lot of classes where we've had, you know, whether it's our regular student base or our reconnaissance, like law enforcement, military type folks, that we've put permethrin on people. And we've done a study on a very, very informal study where we might put permethrin on half their clothing and then on the other half, not, and use things like deed on one half of this guy and permethrin on the other half and any number of things. We've gone through this before and um, and had access to that information from the military, too, because of some classes that we did. But but uh, permethrin's where it's at, you all. I mean, it, it is it works and it works well. You just do not. Yeah, go ahead, Greg. Go ahead. I was going to say, man, I'm just going to just just chime right in on that and just say that I agree with you 100%. You know, that's a that's one of those Sawyer products that I mentioned earlier that I that I just I don't go in the woods without it anymore. And for people who aren't familiar with what permethrin is, you know, it's not a product you put on your skin. It's actually something that you spray on your clothing. You lay your clothes out or hang them up. It's in a kind of a spray bottle or an aerosol can depending on which one you get. And, um, you spray it on your clothing, you let it dry and you go out into the woods and they just don't get on your clothes anymore. And you can wash your clothes. 
and I forget the number of washes it's good for, but it's a lot of washes that this is good for. So this is something that could potentially last you an entire season with one spray. And in my experience, it's just a game changer when it comes to ticks and mosquitoes. Hey, I got a question for you, you guys. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this, and I'm trying to look it up right now. I've got a a, a, a good friend of ours that has been to several of our classes and she's currently in the process of hiking the AT. And we were talking about ticks in our Facebook group the other day. And she mentioned that she sent the clothes that she's going to be hiking off to a company who washes them. And they're good for like 70 washes after that. Have you ever heard of that? That was new to me. I have heard of that. I don't know any details about it, but I have heard of a, I have heard of a service like that before that was a new one on me that's 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 fantastic 70 washes is a lot of washes for for gear for sure yeah and i and i just looked i just looked david and your sponsor you know the sportsman guide sells you know does offer permethrin it's good stuff you got to get it you all you've got to get permethrin they've got some other uh, tick prevention items there too so yeah i i do believe this craig maybe you can look this up but i do believe that permethrin was uh, developed in partnership with the U.S. military or a military organization. I do know that uh, I, I think the first instances or some of the early instances of permethrin being used on clothes was specifically for uh, troops. It was, and but, but, but it was originally yeah, designed and made for use on cattle. I've been using permethrin on the cattle farm for a long time. And what the military did is can they use that in clothing and not harm, you know, military folks. And they, and they just, yes, the military did exactly what you're describing, which they put that to the test, put it in the clothing and found that it does in fact work and it works well. And so their clothes, like I have somebody close to me that has uh, some background in that. And he was told during some training that the clothes that he was issued would be good forever until, until they wore out basically is what I'm saying. So that must be the same type of, of company that does what we were mentioning earlier, which you can take them for. So ever how many washes it's incredible. Yeah. And on the subject of cattle, Craig, uh, you can, you know, I have friends and maybe you do this too, cause I know you have a dog. Um, but you can put permethrin on your dogs too. Yeah. We use that uh, on the, we, they take, my dog takes the chewables and i actually don't know what that chemical is but it doesn't hurt Mm. dogs but my understanding is it does hurt cats so avoid Mm. putting permethrin on a cat and i had a youtuber inform me of that one i was not aware of that one i have a video out on this subject too and and somebody came on and said don't put it on your kitty cat and i Mm. looked it up and they're right you don't want to do that it's rare. It's rare that you kind of take your kitty cat in the woods with you, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think some people that might live in my neck of the woods. Come on, yeah, Creek. <laughs> it's Kentucky, man. <laughs> I love, can you, I love put, these can you put it on your possum? <laughs> can you I put it on these... your possum, Craig? <laughs> exactly, pet possum. Yeah, I love these people, but sometimes if it works on one thing, they're going to put it on other. You know, so uh, whether that's seasoning on your possum meat or permethrin on your cat, they're going to do it. So. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let me just run through a couple of just maybe functional tips that all they actually most of them integrate with permethrin. Uh, I suggest for for just a longer durability of the permethrin is a double treat, and I, I think it's best to let the permethrin dry. I, basically, what I do is I just take my clothes out, shoes, everything, boots, shoes. Um, Socks, anything that I would normally wear, a neckerchief, all of those sorts of things, and I treat them. I let them dry out on the clothesline, and then I retreat them. That's just one way to do it. Uh, hats, same thing. Ticks can drop out of trees, I believe. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And you want to keep your head covered. That reduces risk. Uh, wear long sleeve shirt, even if let's just say that tomorrow you want to go out and go for a hike and it's not all that hot, just cover up, cover your skin up, long sleeve shirts, long, long pants, something that's comfortable and breathable. If it's hot out, tuck in your shirt, that helps tuck in your pants. That's another thing that I do. Uh, if you don't, and how you would do that is if you've got your treated pair of socks, the easy way to do it is just a, it's it kind of can look goofy. <laughs> I don't know if you do this Creek, but uh, you can go ahead and just run your, your long pants around and pull your sock up over that. Something that I use with my midsize military style hiking boots is I use, I don't know if you guys have ever used the old school. Uh, I co- we call them boot blouses, but they're uh, basically elastic bland, uh, bands with hooks on them. And you can kind of roll up your, the bottom of your pant leg, the cuff underneath that. And then it, it just seals. It's just something the military used, at least when I was, was back. You guys anything have anything to add to those? Well, a good pair of gaiters, you know, will do a really gaiters, similar. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do a really, mm-hmm. uh, so that's, uh, I use gaiters for a very similar purpose. I do too. And I keep my gaiters soaked in permethrin as well. I mm-hmm. mean, I just leave them in mm-hmm. my toolbox. And one thing I'd like to piggyback on what you were saying, David, I'd be real careful on wearing your hat with a lot of permethrin in it for two reasons. One, if you sweat, that's going to soak into your skin. And if you have a hat that has a lot of permethrin on it, and and I'll just give you a hint, guess how I know this, <laughs> is if, if you've got a lot of permethrin and then it rains <laughs> and you're out, then that permethrin is going to soak into your skin and get into your eyes and into your mouth. And that's not cool. Oh, I know that from experience. So you want to, you want to, that's, yeah, that's not, that's not cool at all, but um, you want to avoid that whenever possible. Um, so anything that's going to be really close to your skin, um, if you start to get it wet with sweat or rain, it's going to, it's going to soak into you. So I'd be careful with that. Good point. 
other things, just some common sense. Stay clear of any areas that are likely to be tick infested. I know here, I don't know if it is like that in Indiana or Kentucky where you guys are at, but here spring is our time. My Craig, you know my dog Calvin. He's about seven pounds of, of fireball, but he is a tick magnet man. Like his, he's a uh, one of those one of those morky dogs. So his hair gets a little bit long. And man, this time of the year he goes out, and it is inevitable that uh, he's going to mop up most of the ticks in my yard. When, <laughs> so we're we're always pulling ticks off of him. How is it there? Is there any seasonal thing to ticks where you guys are at? It seems like in July here they kind of settle down. Well, in general, a tick is going to be around all year round. Depending, yeah, uh, they're they're here. I mean, like I, I very very rarely will find them on me in the winter time, but it's not it's not impossible. It's just right mm-hmm. now it's you can think of it like they're out trying to expand their territory and expand their family, and so they are real prominent this time of year because this is where they thrive. They thrive in environments where there's moisture. And so an environment that is moist, like we typically see in the springtime, they're going to do really, really well. Yeah. Well, I I can attest to the fact that they're out year round in Indiana. Um, And the reason I know that is when I squirrel hunt, I almost always find a couple of ticks on my squirrels. Almost always. Yeah, they're there. It's just, we don't see them that often any in other than the springtime. And that's another reason is that there's very few people and obviously creek you're this way but uh there's no time of year that i'm not outside and right. very, very few people are spending a lot of time outside during the winter and so there's so many yep. people are coming out and then they get ticks on them and so it seems as if a lot of ticks are out and they are there's a lot of ticks out but uh you're very likely to get them on you any time of the year actually <clears throat> you know for for someone who may not be interested in permethrin you know another product that I really like for prevention is that, is that Sawyer product, that controlled release. It's really what I use for mosquitoes. Now that's an on your skin product. That's a deep based product. Um, but it, it, it releases over time. You know, a lot of insect repellents, once you put it on, it's really only lasts an hour or a couple hours, but this controlled release product, I mean, you're looking at all, you know, at all day long and, you know, when I was in Puerto Rico, um, you know, there's, you know, one of the mosquito borne diseases that's pretty prevalent is the Zika. And so I was a little nervous about that and that controlled release, man. I mean, I didn't get a single mosquito bite. In, Tell me in about the this creek. Cause I'm not, uh, I'm not familiar with that. Is it like a lotion or a spray or tell me about it? It's a lotion. It's a lotion. It's almost like a, it looks kind of like a sunscreen almost, you know, like that kind of a lotion. Uh, but it's a, it's, it's just a, it's called Sawyer controlled release and it's an insect repellent. Um, but it's a lotion that you put on your skin, but it's kind of engineered in such a way that it, it's like a little encapsulations of insect repellent that break down over time on your skin so that you have um, protection for extended periods of time. You know, for somebody who's going to be out in the woods all day long, it can be annoying to reapply, you know, insect repellent and keep that stuff on you. So, you know, this is kind of a one application type product that, you know, those are, those are the two pro those are the only two products I use these days. And I have used everything over the course of the past 20 years. You know, I have tried everything i could possibly try but these are the these are my go those are my go-to products right now that's really good so 
why don't we, since you even started us there, Creek, we'll get into mosquitoes now because that's another annoying thing. And, and, you know, outside of the U S it's, it's a big deal. Like you were saying, uh, maybe the, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe the last thing on both of these, not the last thing, but as we transition, reducing the exposure of your skin, uh, so that to insects is, is a good solution too. So it may be uncomfortable, Craig, maybe this gets back to what you said a podcast or two ago, that people are locked into their fashion <laughs> on the trail. Yeah. Slaves to fashion is what uh, I said. I love that. Slaves too. to fashion. That's what you said. Yeah. And I think that was the most cliched thing you ever said. <laughs> it's true, man. <laughs> but you want to talk about that just for a couple of seconds, Craig, and, uh, just how that relates to just re- reducing your skin exposure. Yeah. Anytime. I mean, the, the ticks are attracted to various things and mosquitoes for certain. Uh, and I, I'm assuming we're getting ready to dig into this, but what they're attracted to. And so when the skin is exposed, some of those attractants, particularly bacteria or lactic acid are going to be the things that are going to be attractants to at least mosquitoes. And so with any sort of skin exposed, then there's more likely possibility that they are going to know you're there. And like you said, come off their little hitchhikers, which they're going to hitchhike onto you after they've been riding on that grass or tree or what have you. And so when you can cover up that skin, you're more better off and less likely to get them on you. Now there is times I have to admit, and I'm not saying this is the wisest thing to do, but I'm just saying, I know that there are times where I want to know if they're on me. And so I'm not overly concerned about that. I want to see them. Um, but there's also times where I might be doing something where I might be laying in weeds and leaves and stuff of that nature for 24 hours with no sleep and and I don't have time to do tick checks. So when that happens, I want to be covered up just like you all were describing earlier. Everything's bloused and even, you know, sometimes some of the units that we've worked with, they'll duct tape that boot to their legs that, you know, not directly to their leg, but they'll duct tape, uh, gaiters on duct tape pants into their boots and any number of things so that there is no entry point for the ticks at that point. Cause oftentimes they're on they're ground based and they will get on your shoes or your socks or the lower part of your, and, and they're attracted to the things that Craig was just talking about and they'll crawl right up underneath your pant leg. And, and, and another thing is, is the you. color of clothing. And, and I'm, I'm one of these woods ninjas that likes to wear OD clothes or earth tone clothing everywhere I go. And I mean, in, for example, today I was out just walking doing some things and got a chance to get within, you know, 10 yards of a wild Turkey goblin. And, and for that reason, I'm usually in earth tone clothing. And if you're going to be outside, then wear something that a tick is going to show up against more readily. That way you can see it if it's crawling on you or somebody else can. Uh, I was teaching a man tracking class this past weekend and that team all had bright fluorescent orange T-shirts on. And a couple of ticks got pulled off of those uh, search and rescue folks because they could see them so easily on that fluorescent orange. So that's a nice, uh, nice consideration as well. If you don't have to wear OD clothing or you don't choose to, then wear something brightly colored or lightly colored so you can see the ticks and get them off of you before they get to you. Nice. So why don't we get into mosquitoes a little bit and just talk about a couple of prevention things. Creek, you already got us started on that. So your control release, I believe. Um, and one question I have, are there dangers to DEET? I think this has been something that's been around for a while. So, Well, that's probably a, that's probably a question above my pay grade. But, you know, I, I would say this, any 
any, I would say there's a danger to any chemical of any sort probably being on your skin. I don't know that it's, you know, it's certainly not an immediate danger. Um, but you know, I try and I'm someone who, you know, who really tries to limit myself to anything like that. I really watch my diet. I really watch, you know, what I wear. I watch what's in my detergent. You know, I certainly watch what I eat. I mean, I even, you know, I even, I don't even drink tap water, you know, for the reason of, I just don't want to add chemicals in my body, but you know, there are some things that just work and there are some things that don't work, you know? And I, the fact of the matter is, is I spend a lot of time in the woods and I don't want mosquitoes or ticks on me. And so I just use the products that work, you know, and, and, you know, a deep based product, it just, it just works. And, um, I've tried all the natural stuff. I've tried all the oregano oils and peppermint oils and all that stuff with hopes that, you know, maybe there's going to be some that's going to work for me, but it just, they're just, it just doesn't, unfortunately, uh, it doesn't work like I need it to, you know, one quick note I want to make on ticks uh, before we divert over to mosquitoes is that, you know, one question that I think people are going to have is, man, if I find a tick on me, what do I do after I get it off? You know, what are the signs of, you know, having a tick, um, or having being infected with Lyme disease or something like that. And that could be a, it's a really valid concern and something I just want to deal with really quickly. There are services now on the internet where, you know, your natural inclination is going to be able to, is going to be to remove your tick and then just kill it or burn it and get rid of it as fast as humanly possible. When what is a, what may be a good idea for some peace of mind is you can mail that tick in to services now and they'll test that tick for Lyme disease and they'll let you know whether or not that tick has Lyme disease. And that service is like 25 bucks or something like there's a variety of places. If you Google mail in ticks for checking for Lyme disease, you'll find a variety of different services that, that offer that. And it's for nothing. If for no other reason, it's, it's a really great option for peace of mind. Yeah. Let me add to that because you're dead on Creek and I'm glad you brought this up is that if if you go to the doctor because you've been, been experiencing fever, which is what took me to the doctor last year when I had Rocky Mountain spotted fever, um, make sure that you tell the doc that there's a possibility of ticks being attached to you at some point in time and try to accent that point. Like here in Kentucky, you know, you would think that you could tell a doc something like that and they would be, oh, okay. But a lot of people are so afraid of those diseases from ticks that they that it almost, and I'm not knocking the healthcare industry at all, but they hear that so much that I don't think they really think about it. And last year when I told the doc, listen, I'm in the woods sometimes six, eight, 10 hours a day. And I pull ticks off of me every week. It was only then that they tested me for Rocky mountain spotted fever. And so it was, it's something you'll have to be real open and honest with your healthcare provider if it's something that is a, you know, I, Hey, I found a tick on me. It was attached. And sometimes you will like, for example, I did not get the classic bullseye around that. Everybody says, Hey, if you get bit by the tick, you're going to get this bullseye. No, no, not necessarily. Matter of fact, I never found that. I never found the tick that was on me. I didn't even know it was on me. I just started getting the the really bad fever and inc- an incredibly, incredibly bad headache that wouldn't go away. And it took me to the dock and I told them what was going on. They tested me and they, and they found that out. But so those kind of things are real valuable when you're talking to your healthcare provider as well. Thank you for bringing that up Creek. That was really important. 
Hey, tell me, Craig, about, you know, because I'm just here, uh, Appalachia. Um, when you go to these other locations like Puerto Rico and everything, like I've been to Alaska where mosquitoes are an otherworldly thing. What are they real prominent down South compared to like where me and you are in Kentucky, Indiana? They're everywhere, man. Yeah. You know, can't get away. from They're everywhere. Anywhere it's anywhere. It's warm. They're there, you know, um, you know, they're not like in windy areas like mountain, you know, cause they, they can't really, they can't really fly around in the wind. So like on the beach or something like that, unless it's a real low wind condition, you're not going to really find them. But in my experience, if it, if it's a temperature that they can survive in, they are there. And I have a question I have heard, and I want you guys to dispel or confirm whether this is a, is a wives tale that if you eat sugar like i've heard specifically if you eat too many bananas you're going to attract mosquitoes more is that for real or not well basically what's happening uh, well go ahead creek you're the guest i want you to no, go for it well go for it you sounded like you were about to say something factual <laughs> <laughs> well here and here's and this goes for ticks and mosquitoes both we we are made of a lot of chemicals our bodies are are and so one of the things that uh, creek brought up is that like, for example, peppermint oil does not work for him and it doesn't work for me either. But one of my best friends, it works incredibly well for him. I mean, he knows it. I mean, it's Tracy Tremble. He's an instructor for Nature Reliance School. It works for him. So it's one of those things that, that it's, it ends up coming off as wives tales and stuff of that nature, because it might not work for somebody and it might work for others. So please try it. Right. But the thing that's happening with our bodies that we are continually putting off or have growing on us bacteria. If we do certain exercise or exercise, not necessarily physical exercise for health, but Hey, we're walking up a hill and we're sweating. Then we're going to put off lactic acid. We're going to be breathing out carbon dioxide. And when these things happen based upon our chemical makeup of our bodies and what things that we've taken in, we may become a mosquito attractant, whereas, you know, our spouse who has a different chemical makeup may or may not. So some people will develop certain attractants to insects, including mosquitoes, because they have more sugar or what have you. It's for the most part, it's not true, but that doesn't mean that somebody's chemical makeup by eating a bunch of bananas will not put off some sort of byproduct that attracts them. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know, you know, blood type definitely plays a role. I mean, there, there was a study done. Uh, the first study was done, I, I'm going off memory here, but I want to say it was done somewhere in the early 70s and they confirmed it back uh, about a decade ago that uh, type O blood type, you are twice as likely to uh, get squirrel or squirrels. You shouldn't have said squirrel. <laughs> you got me thinking about going squirrel hunting now, Creek. Uh, you're you're more likely to get uh, mosquitoes on you. My daughter's is type one diabetic, and why she gets mosquitoes on her at a higher rate, we don't know if it is basically due to her sugar levels or what. But she gets them. I mean, she can go outside anywhere at any time and get mosquitoes on her. It's kind of crazy. What were your thoughts on it, Creek? Anything that you're familiar with, or? Oh, no, my, I would echo the exact same thoughts. You know, it just is so variable from person to person. You know, I don't think anyone really knows, can get inside of a mosquito's, you know, biologics and exactly how they work. Um, You know, I know they're attracted to carbon dioxide. 
But beyond that, they're clearly attracted to, you know, different people for different reasons, you know? So, um, it's, I think it's almost impossible to pinpoint, you know, one specific variable. Yeah. I I just looked at that while you were talking there too, Creek. I knew there was something else, but when, you know, carbon dioxide is nearly everywhere. And so is, if it's a, an attractant, it could be a, mosquitoes could be attracted to a number of things, but there's this other chemical octanol. I just now looked it up. I'm not smart enough to remember that one, but it's something that we do breathe out. That is an attractant to mosquitoes. And so for example, like this morning I was out just listening to turkeys gobble for the fun of it and was walking up and down these Kentucky Hills and breathing. Uh, that's a, that's a rich environment for mosquitoes to be able to find me because I'm breathing out that octanol or whatever, you know? Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. Plus my body heat is up, you know, that attracts mosquitoes. Those are all, those are all rich. My body was basically a rich environment for mosquitoes to be looking for me this morning by, by basically walking up and down hills. Guys, this is all really awesome. And again, Craig, this happens all the time. I am looking at the time and we were, we were going to talk about edible bugs. We were going to talk about ways to get your friends and family started in the outdoors. We were going to talk about edible plant books to get you started and some gardening, kid-specific ideas. Guys, I think we're going to have to come back. Creek, would you come back sometime soon and, and uh, uh, continue this discussion? With yeah, us? absolutely. Love to love to do that, you know, but, you know, we've definitely touched on some subjects that should make people feel a little bit more equip people a little bit, at least in getting getting in the outdoors this spring for those who may have had reservations, you know, because of ticks and mosquitoes. Yeah, I think we had, I, I think we addressed two major fear items to keep people out of the woods. So closing this down. Why don't each one of you guys come up with a, a couple of action steps that people can take away from here? What are the most important things that we talked about that can encourage them and make them feel more comfortable getting out sooner than later? Go ahead, Craig. Okay. Uh, well, number one, I would say statistically, it is very unlikely for you to experience any disease from a tick or a mosquito here in this part of the world, statistically. Not, not, not impossible, just improbable, but because it is likely, let's take the necessary precautions. And so number two would be get some permethrin for certain. That is the thing to get for ticks. And I know that DEET works well. And so is that the, the slow release chemical? Cause I'm kind of intrigued by yep. what Creek is telling us. Is yep. that the controlled release that- Sawyer controlled? Yep, Sawyer. It's a Sawyer controlled release, but it is a. I believe it's a deep based product. Yes. So I'm kind of intrigued by that. While we've been sitting here, I've considered uh, getting some from the Sportsman's Guide. So I'll get some of that. Thank you, Creek, for that recommendation. I really appreciate mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And um, because I know Deet works as well, so there you go. That's my two. What's up for you, Creek? What do you think? Okay, so when it comes to uh, ticks in particular, you want to spray your clothes with permethrin. You know, if you want to double whammy, use some of the uh, controlled release. That's going to probably cover you. I mean, between those two, you're probably never going to see a tick on you. Okay. But if you get a tick on you, just remove it. Um, don't panic. If you're still freaked out about it, even if you're not showing any kind of symptoms, um, then just keep that tick 
spend the 25 or 30 bucks, send it off to a company who can test it so that you get peace of mind. If it comes back positive, all of the anything, any disease that you can contract is totally treatable, especially if you um, find out right away. So there's nothing really to worry about here. It's all about being educated and understanding how to prevent it and what to do if you find a tick. You know, so um, tick ticks is the big one between ticks and mosquitoes. So those are those are my action steps. It's not about, you know, not getting out in the woods. It's just about understanding, you know, understanding what you're dealing with. And it's real easy. I'm so glad we think alike, Creek. You make me feel good about myself. You know that? That's really good. Ditto. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Thank you so much. And thank you for that recommendation of that product. I'll I'll be getting some. Guys, this was this was all fantastic. I'm just looking now, Craig, at the tiny survival guide. And we do have we've been talking about first aid and we're gonna get back to first aid here in uh, some following podcasts, but there's a little section in there on ticks and creek. Can I do a spoiler for your Apaco? No, I can't. <laughs> Did I just do a spoiler for your Apaco? You can spoil it. You Guys. can spoil. You can spoil. I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind teases, especially when they're for products as awesome as the Tiny Survival Guide. So go ahead, you spoil it. <laughs> well, you know, just when you think that all of the survival books have been written, something like the Tiny Survival Guide comes out, and you're like how did someone th actually think of this and introduce an entirely new concept into the survival book market? You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> as a survival author myself, I'm always trying to think of like cool survival book ideas for people that's new to the market. That's different. That's got a unique hooker angle, but that delivers awesome content. And man, when I saw first saw one of your, I think it was maybe even like a final prototype of the tiny survival guide, I was just sitting there and I just shook my head, man. And I was like, man, they did it. They did it. They came out with, they came out with kind of a new to the market survival guide concept, this little mini tiny survival guide that folds out into this huge mass of information and illustrations and just delivers awesome content. And so as soon as I saw that, I knew that I had to strike a deal with you to put one in an upcoming Apocopox. That's awesome. Thank you, Creek. That, that, yeah, we're, we're just really honored to be part of what you're doing there too. I love the Apocopox. And I think I'm, I think what we're going to do too, is we're going to, when that one comes out, we're going to feature that in a video also guys. So if you're not into the Apocopox, you need to check it out because it's, it's like a survival grab bag with skills. So every month you get to learn a new skill and all that sort of stuff. So more on that in the future, Craig, you want to take us out of I here? I do. Thank you guys. Thanks Creek for being here as always. You're, you're a wealth of information. Mm, yes. I greatly appreciate you, you. So guys and gals listening out there, check out Creek and everything that's involved with him. We'll have uh, links down below in the description for getting connected with him. As if you don't know him, I'm sure you do. So get connected with him anyway, if you're new to him. Uh, subscribe to our podcast now. We're going to be doing everything we can to butter Creek up and have him back whenever he has time to be back with us because we love this guy. Uh, it's free to do so. It's free to just sub subscribe to the podcast. That helps us out tremendously. And that also ensures you don't miss out on this one or any other episode for that matter. Many thanks to each of you who are listening, who have already done that. And if you enjoy the podcast, then please share it with your friends, buddies, and anybody else that you think may get something out of the podcast because we love sharing information and give us a five-star rating wherever you find us, Spotify, 
iTunes, wherever it is that you find us and listening to us. So click in the link in the description below to get the links that we've been discussing today for these products. And we really appreciate you guys listening. We'll see you next time on the Survival Show Podcast. Keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.